Recruiting-ish. Web 3. World-class podcast. Let's get it. Let's go. For topics of discussion, you cannot get from another. Opportunities in Web 3, we got you covered. Meta intro, been dope. Gotta thank you for the love and support that you give it. Keep it coming. We going up in Jazz B's interviews with the crews. Making moves, let's see. It's a brand new world of NFTs. Join in recruiting this podcast. Yes, please. Join in recruiting this podcast. Yes, please. Meta Intro does not give financial advice. Information provided by Meta Intro is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. Always do your own research on the companies that you apply to and the opportunities that you invest in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Recruiting Niche Podcast. It's Tuesday. We're here with another episode and special guest. I'm Alex, your crypto recruiter. I'm here with Brad from the Meta Intro team. Say hey, Brad. What's going on, community? Glad to be here for another episode. We've got a founder and CEO joining us all the way from Thailand where he's on vacation. Um, he lives and has built a company in Australia. Um, his name is Daniel and he is founded and leads Hardblock Australian Bitcoin Exchange as well. He's got a podcast, um, the Australian Bitcoin podcast, where he highlights different things going on throughout the industry. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hey, how are you guys? And uh, hello, audience. Uh, I'm glad to be here. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Well, obviously, we gave you a little bit of a short intro, but we're really excited to talk about your journey, your company, um, what you think of, of kind of the industry, but, you know, to jump in tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, how you landed in the digital asset and crypto space, um, and, and a little bit about, you know, your, your current endeavor. Sure. So I got into Bitcoin relatively early. Um, I got in towards the end of 2013. So there was a bubble, uh, if for people who follow it in the end of 2013, that's when I got into it. It was still pretty early days. Uh, at that point when I got in, I thought it seemed light to me, but you always get in and there's always so many people before you. You always feel you're where you are when you get in. You're the last one to get in. So I felt like I was the last one to get in. But um, obviously at now, at this point, some people consider me getting in early. So I got in. And my background is i, I done engineering, uh, computer systems engineering, and economics in university. So for me, uh, I never thought these things would meet in the middle. And I also had a big interest in things like politics and history. Um, so I, I never, I, I've always thought politics and history were kind of more of a hobby and a waste of time. But I found this field, Bitcoin, and that's where all these things, engineering, computer science, politics, history, economics, I feel like they all intercept, intersect. So uh, when I found out about Bitcoin and I, I realized the potential that it's going to have a world, uh, I, I got into it pretty much eye deep. I, I, I dived in fully, as a lot of people do, down the rabbit hole. And I've pretty been into it ever since. Uh, so I started very quickly. I started trading on local bitcoins and started uh, hard block ex the exchange which I run, which is an Australian Bitcoin exchange. And I started it when I started it. It was very simple. Uh, you know, for anybody wanting to start a business, uh, you know, sometimes the simplest thing is the best. So 
when people ask me how I started working on Exchange, what it was initially was basically a web form. And if somebody wanted to buy Bitcoin, at that point, you didn't have to do KYC. You know, a lot of people didn't even know what Bitcoin is. So there was no KYC requirement or anything like that. And um, the lady, the banker lady asked me, oh, what, what does the business do? And I told her Bitcoin, she was like so interested in it. And she told me, oh, wow, the banks are going to hide this. <laughs> yeah, so not many people knew about it, but I started, so going back to the start of the business, it was just a web form. So if somebody wanted to buy Bitcoin, they would submit a form request on Hardblock on the website. I'd get that request as an email and it would give them the bank details to deposit. They would go to a bank branch, deposit cash. And when I'd see the cash in my bank account, I'd manually go to my Bitcoin wallet on my phone and send them the Bitcoin. And that's, that's, what, the, that's what the business was. It was very simple and easy. And, and it was a similar, you could sell Bitcoin, so it was a similar process. And I just, I done it because it just, like a, like a lot of the audience who wants to be involved in the space, I just wanted to be involved in the space. That was actually kind of my goal. And uh, I think sometimes just, if you want to be involved, just do something. I think that's that's kind of like the mantra in the digital currency and Bitcoin space. Just start something and do something, do anything. And that's always a good sign uh, if you're looking, even if you're looking for a job or whatever you, whatever your goals are, just dive in and do something and contribute in any way. Yeah. I have so many questions just from that opener right there. Uh, is this the first business that you founded? Uh, or is this, uh, are you a serial entrepreneur yourself? Oh, it was really the serious proper business. I did some small attempts at businesses before, which, you know, I call them non-for-profit business, involuntary non-for-profit businesses. So uh, I did have some attempts, but no, no, that was my first attempt. I, I, and I only finished university in 2012, right? So when I started Hardblock, that was, I was pretty recent out of university. I actually don't have like an experience ever having a proper job, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. I, I think I could have learned a lot, probably a lot if I had worked in some other company uh, at a proper job. Um, I had like part-time jobs in university, but never like a full-time professional job. So now it means doing this business, I'm trying to learn everything on the go myself from, from my own experiences. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great story. And I like to say always, uh, I found it, I think, I don't know. I got to count. It's probably close to 10 businesses, if you will, you know, small ones. And one of the best ways to start is legitimately how you started, which is just a form. Do the most simple, you know, uh, starting mechanism of starting a business. And somebody just wants to say, I mean, let's listen to you. Send me, you know, I send them the bank account information. Once it hits my account, I go onto my phone and I buy. Like, that's absolutely incredible. And so for anybody listening, Daniel's story right here, in my opinion, is just get started. You're gonna find out what you're what people are interested in, or if they're not interested. I always say somebody's not interested. Great, you didn't waste a year. You didn't go out and waste time. You know, going to raise money and things like that. So you obviously found some product market fit pretty early on, which 
kudos to you. That's incredible. Um, I'll go with my first question, selfish American question, you know, given our financial problems in our country that I think is very, very tied. You, you could potentially tie it to why Bitcoin was created. I don't know, maybe Satoshi didn't have that initial vision back, you know, when he created it, but is this the most interesting time for Bitcoin right now? Uh, yes or no. And, you know, maybe give your reasoning why, because I, I, I find it a compelling, you know, time for Bitcoin, but I'm interested in somebody that's probably a Bitcoin maxi. I'm interested to hear which, what your thoughts are. Is it the most interesting time for Bitcoin? Yes or no, uh, or a height yes or no <laughs> questions. It's hard to answer yes or no. I think there's different epochs in Bitcoin. There's different kind of phases and different eras, so to speak. And all these eras have a different code, a bit of a different culture to them and different atmosphere in each era. So is it the most interesting? I, to be honest, I feel... A lot of the most interesting is, I think, when people initially get in, into it. I think for a lot of people, that's, that there's this kind of peak when you initially get into it. And then it kind of maybe lowers a little bit and there's still that interest. But at least for me, I think the initial era was for me the most interesting. Which is not to say that Bitcoin isn't still interesting. It still very much is interesting. There's still a lot of potential. But... For me, it was really cool in those early days where it was still kind of underground and nobody knew about it. And you kind of had this kind of potential. That was really fun. But yeah, each era has kind of a different thing to it. Now there's much there's much more businesses. It's much more developed. So there's much bigger things happening. So that's interesting in a different way. No, that's a that's a great point. I, that, was, that was the question I was going to ask was... You know, I, I think a lot of people look at Bitcoin and even crypto digital assets as just like an investment. Um, what do you use Bitcoin for? Like in your experience, is it, you know, you're buying, exchanging goods um, for it? Obviously, you know, you brought up, you know, some of the BRC20 tokens on Bitcoin, um, you know, meme coins. There's obviously ordinals, which I, I haven't dipped into, but curious to see for someone that's been in it for as long as you have. You know, what's your take on it? Are you using these things? Um, do they matter? Um, what's your thoughts? I mean, primarily, it's used as an investment to preserve wealth over the long term, to as a value trend preservation mechanism. So that, that, that's its main use. I do use it whenever I have a chance. I love using Bitcoin to pay for things whenever there's a possibility. I pay with a Bitcoin. I remember the first time I went, uh, I went to see Andras Antonopoulos. I'm not sure if you heard of him. He came to Australia and there was a meetup at a pub and you could buy beer with Bitcoin. And I was so excited to, to buy a beer with a Bitcoin. So I, I love using Bitcoin for pay, for payments. I have played with ordinals and I think all, it's not, I have experimented with it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm more of like an engineer. I'm not like an artist uh, type person. So it's not necessarily for me, but I know there are some people who, who like that kind of um, meme coins and kind of having fun and 
the art and doing artwork and stuff like that. So for those people, they like it and that's good for them. Although it's not, it's, um, it's not something I experimented and applied when just for an educational purpose to understand it, but it's not something I really use. So really primarily it is as a well preservation mechanism to store value over the long term and frankly to get rich because we expect it to, I mean, being honest, that's what everybody wants to do because they see the potential to increase their wealth by investing in Bitcoin. That's cool. And then it it seems like when I was looking at Hardblock's um, offering as a product, that seems like that's tied into your mission, right? Which is not only purchasing the Bitcoin in an easy way, but Talk to us a little bit about how your system of, of kind of storage and transfer is, is different from, you know, a, a Coinbase or maybe another um, centralized exchange or, or, you know, kind of hosted wallet. Sure. So, yeah, like our mission is to help Australians preserve their wealth with Bitcoin. So a lot of people in the world, they've got a lot of wealth, they've got investment savings and they want to preserve and there's not many options. Houses are the main thing in Australia. But because due to inflation in the US, but also in Australia, there's not many good options for people to invest their money. So we want to help Australians preserve their wealth and their money with Bitcoin. And what we really differ and specialize in, we encourage, we encourage customers to do dollar cost averaging and we encourage customers to do self-custody. We help them with self-custody. We help them with that learning process. So we also do a podcast, Australian Bitcoin podcast, but anybody can listen to it. It's not, we have some Australian guests, but the content is relevant to anybody where we talk about uh, security, where we review different hardware wallets and uh, just try to educate our audience. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what we specialize. It's more, it's not a trading exchange as such. Um, some people call as casinos, right? There's a bit of a casino model to them. But that's not what we do. We encourage customers. Our customers are people who want to invest and hold. So it's more of like an on-ramp, off-ramp. And they can do like set and forget dollar cost averaging when they can do recurring payments into hard block. And we have automated withdrawals into their cold storage wallet. So we can set up a system where they just have $100 or whatever it is each week and we just leave that it automatically buys and automatically withdraws and we don't have to do anything we can save the time to learn about bitcoin or spend time with our friends and family instead of sitting at a screen trying to take on the casino on coinbase or whatever or some other exchange so yeah that's kind of what we what we do that's great um really making me think, you know, a couple recent conversations I've heard, the store of value has kind of gone away, you know, in, in a lot of different investment vehicles, if you will. They're really hard to find these days. Uh, I, 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 gold is, a lot of people have said that, hey, that's the store of value, but you look at its performance relative to inflation over the last, you know, 25 years, it just has not done that well. Do you believe that Bitcoin truly is going to be, maybe even right now, is the best store of value for your hard-earned you know, pay 
or and, and maybe the the, the, the add-on question to that is when do you believe that it gets there obviously you have a belief in the business of that it is a store of value when do you think it kind of takes over as that de facto vehicle that can tell somebody like a peter schiff gold is it's it's not it anymore mr schiff yeah i, I believe it is and i also just make a uh... About the store of value, because at least recently I've had some people kind of question it. Uh, they say the store of value, oh, it's not a store of value because it goes down and it's volatile. And uh, people people say, oh, it went down over the last year, like 40 or 50%. Well, I think it actually, anyway, you know, basically since the bull market, it went down. And so people say, oh, it's not a good store of value. So yeah, I would nuance that. It is a store of value long term. It's a good store. It's it's an inflation hedge long term, but it is volatile in the short term. So, in the short term, you can expect losses due to the volatility. But I do believe in it as a long term investment. So I just want to clear that up because I've had a few people comment on that. But yeah, I do believe it. I do believe it has a future, and when it will happen. Look, I think it's going to take a long... Uh, I think it might take a long time. I don't think it's something instant. It's it's something gradual. But, you know, if I look at it now and I just look like five years or ten years ahead, and do I think in the next five or ten years it's, that the price will increase? And the answer to me to that is yes. It's very clear. I mean, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing. I'm not saying any, nothing in life is guaranteed, right? But the risk-reward ratio for it to go up in the next five and, or ten years, I, I think it's set. And I, st- you know, running the channel, I still see there's still people coming in and learning about Bitcoin. There's new people coming in all the time, and they learn about Bitcoin. They dive into that rabbit hole, and they invest their money in Bitcoin. There's still new people coming. There's still so much money all over the world, and Bitcoin is relatively small to all that money, to all his, to all his wealth. So. Over five, ten years, I think still the future is promising. But you know, it's hard for me to predict further out. I don't, I don't know. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, you've obviously been running this business now for a decade. Tell us a little bit about the team that currently exists, how it's evolved over the last decade. You know, some of your best practices for kind of building out the team of Hard Block, and you know what it looks like today. And how it's kind of evolved over the last ten years. Yeah. So our team, we have a developer, um, a product manager, QI tester, and a marketing content person. And when I look to hire somebody from the team, probably the most important thing is some initiative, right? So some initiative and uh, interest in Bitcoin. And how can you tell about? It, it's like in Bitcoin, you have proof of work for the mining mechanism, but proof of work in the individual, I see, that's what I look for, right? And how do you see that proof of work? Did they, are they making contributions? Are they doing something? So that shows initiative and that, every, and because a lot of people, they say they want to be involved in the industry. Okay, a lot of people say that, but if you really want to be involved, if you have some interest, you need to put, put in some work. If, if you go to some kind of event where the, Bitcoin or digital currency event that shows some interest. You making, you might be taking that extra step. If you contribute, you're taking that extra step, it, and it singles 
you out. So showing that proof of work in the industry, that's probably the biggest thing that I look for. It really helps having somebody like, for me, okay, we're Bitcoin only. So it really helps having somebody who's passionate about Bitcoin. I find voice people, they can fit into many roles because if they're passionate about Bitcoin, they can take on many tasks and learn voice tasks and you can teach them voice tasks. And, and we're passionate about learning, and we're passionate about the business. And that's so valuable for somebody to kind of share our vision and uh, what we're trying to do and whatever they do. If, if we have to have somebody do, if we're short on customer support, if somebody who's a product manager normally, but if he knows about Bitcoin, he can do customer support. He can help customers, right? I, he can take on with different roles. And so that's really the most important thing that I look for. And then for individuals who are interested in, in your company, you know, do you have any current roles open that you're hiring for um, either you know, now or in, in the future that you want to shout out? Um, again, Meta Intro listeners um, you know, of the podcast as well as of the jobs newsletter, um, always interested in some cool projects like yours. How do they get connected with you if, if they are interested? Sure. I'm not looking for anybody at the current time. Obviously, it's a bear market, so it's it's hard for everyone. It's, it's not the best time to get a job, but I believe the bear market will turn. So it's, I think it's, if you show that proof of work when there's a bull market, you'll probably be the first on the list, right? So we're not looking for anybody now, but if you go to our website, hardblog.com.au, there's a careers section, and uh, you can fill out a form there and that will put you kind of on our uh, database for when we do look for somebody it will put you on our database for uh, potential future hiring and then from a, a process perspective like when you are evaluating kind of proof of work is is there anything that you know is is kind of a a go-to for you in terms of evaluating that um, i struggle with that i think sometimes as a recruiter you know really validating who's in it for the right reasons versus who's just in it for the hype or the money. Um, is there any questions you ask or kind of things you do in an interview to kind of dig into those skill sets? Yeah, sure. I think for your, your audience, I would advise go be involved in the community, like go to events. There's local meetups. There's in Australia, we have local like Bitcoin meetups in most major cities. We have telegram groups where people discuss um, Bitcoin and things like that. We have kind of bigger conferences and mid-sized kind of events. Somebody who goes to those events where you can, I go to those events, most people, a lot of people running businesses go to these events. If you go to one of these events and you meet somebody in person, that's always a huge advantage, right? Because you meet somebody in person you talk to them, you see they're here, okay, they're here, and you can get to know them. It's much better than kind of anonymously applying, right? And that's probably, yeah, a big, big thing, like being involved in these discussions, Telegram groups. And, uh, you know, I often kind of look for people, like if they, yeah, if they contribute to some project, if they're contributing anyways. And there's many, if you start getting into those Telegram groups, you'll find otherwise. And you don't have to be a developer, there's designers, content creators, and there's a lot of open source, there's a huge open uh, amount of open source projects, Bitcoin, and they need all sorts of people. 
So if you get involved and contribute to voice projects, I think really that's, you get a job. So that's what I would advise. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's been a common theme we've heard here on the pod is people get involved in your local communities. There's a ton of, you're even telling us here in Australia, there's tons of meetups there that people can go and attend. Um, it is a great way to get in-person access to probably a, a huge knowledge base in a community that you might have not had exposure to before. So um, local meetups are great, great ways. Um, and I, spe I specify the local. It doesn't need to be you know, the large Bitcoin Miami or NFT NYC, you know, some of these large sale conferences where it costs a thousand bucks a ticket, those might be inaccessible for some individuals. There's a lot of local people and it's probably even a more intimate and more useful conversation for you. So that that's a, that's a, that's a great, great suggestion. What's the most interesting innovation that you're kind of tracking in the crypto space right now that you're interested to see how it evolves over the next, uh, let's say, uh, next couple of years, uh, what innovation would you say is most interesting that you're tracking right now? Something that I'm very interested in, and I think is going to be much bigger in the future, is actually Bitcoin inheritance, or more broadly, cryptocurrency inheritance, and how to do it. And it's kind of a bit of a challenging thing to do right now, but it's going to become increasingly important. A lot of people in digital currency, uh, Bitcoin, they're kind of allied, right? Like mid 30s, I'm guessing you guys are around that age also, like maybe 40s. And so we don't think about inheritance too much. But uh, as people get older and you know, they have their wealth in Bitcoin, we think about how, how to set up inheritance. And it's not easy to do. If you're doing it in a self-custodial way, right? Or do you give your children the private keys? What if, they, what if you have an argument with them and they steal your money, right? But like you don't want to, you might want to pass it on to your children when you die. So how, how to do that and creating solutions to that is, uh, there's not really an easy way to do it right now. Uh, we actually just had a uh, interview on our podcast with a financial advisor who does help customers do that and he use, utilizes a multi-signature solution and he uses CASA and he holds one of the keys and it's a very interesting podcast so if somebody is interested they can listen to that but yeah I think that's like a big thing that has me interested figuring out and uh, how to do that Bitcoin inheritance I second that big time I think about that a lot I think about the uh, getting hit by a bus what happens with all my you know, holdings and, you know, things like that. That's the, the, the real one that I, you know, legitimately think about. So yeah, anybody listening, that's, uh, I, I agree. And maybe not right now, but man, you even think about how much, what, I don't even remember, and Alex, and I'm sure Danny, you actually, what's the number that they say of Bitcoin that's completely like inaccessible, you know, that, you know, isn't it like five, you know, five million of it or whatnot, it's just, it'll never go into circulation or whatnot. Yeah, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it, it's yeah, it's more than a million Bitcoin for sure. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you know as we go on in time and things like this where it's it's lost or somebody does, God forbid, get hit by a bus, and uh, so that's a really really interesting idea. Well, cool. Well, I think for the the last question to do a, a little fun one, and this is one I I like uh, the conspiracy theories on is is who you think 
and Brad, you can answer this one too, because I'm curious. I'll get mine after. But who do you think Satoshi is? What's uh, what's kind of your Satoshi conspiracy theory on who or a group or you know where they are? Uh, what what do you think? Yeah, that's a fun question. Uh, everybody loves to. Everybody has their own theories, right? I would go personally. My my guess would be Nick Shabo. Um, so Nick Shabo, for those who don't know, he came up with the concept of smart contracts, and he was working a lot on kind of trying to create some kind of decentralized currency. He had some attempts, and he was involved in that space, and that's my personal guess. Okay. Yeah, that's, Brad, what about you? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with a really popular one, Elizabeth Warren. I, I think that she is definitely... She's upset that it's, you know, completely taken over and now she wants to destroy her own doing. So that's, that's my guess as to who Satoshi is. Yep. That's and uh, the, the world, the world economic forum and George Soros and, and all those, you know, the, the Illuminati, I've heard that one a couple of times yep. too. Um, I'm always, I'm always interested. I think at some point I feel like that's going to be like a narrative for like a ton of movies or like national treasure style TV shows, you know, like hunting Satoshi, trying to track that down. I'm sure there's some stuff currently going on, but it does make you question, right? Like if he, uh, if he were to, you know, show back up and uh, move his coins or just, we actually find out who it was, uh, what that would do to kind of the ecosystem. But um, well, cool. Well, Daniel, thank you for joining us today. Really enjoyed the conversation. Um, to the listeners listening, we'll include all the links uh, to Daniel, his project, his Twitter, the podcast, so you can get all that awesome info. Uh, Brad, thanks again for co-hosting with me, and we'll see you next week on Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you, guys. That was great. A lot of fun.